Hello everyone, thank you for joining us again uh, this Sunday as we take some time uh, to get into God's Word. Uh, over the past few weeks we have been giving attention to our emotional health and well-being, especially because of the, the times that we've been living in and the impact these times have been having on people both emotionally and spiritually. So before we get into the word this morning, before we get into what I want to share with you today, can we just take a few moments to pray? Can we take a few moments to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and to come and minister to us through God's word? That God would meet our deepest needs because he knows us, he understands us, he knows where each one of us is journeying right now. And so Father, I really do want to come and thank you right uh, at the outset of this message that Lord you use your word because you said your word is alive and it is active piercing to dividing the soul and the spirit the bone and the marrow and Lord it is our desire this morning to experience both the ministry of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God uses your words to encourage us to strengthen us to expose and reveal to us uh, what we know, but Lord, also to help us in our journey of faith as we follow you in the times in which we are living. Lord, I pray for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the issue that I want to focus on today from Psalm 42 is how to deal with and respond to what is called spiritual depression. And spiritual depression is something that's quite difficult to define. If you, if you, if you look up in various uh, theological journals, it is one of those terms that is coined and used by Christians, but not always so easy uh, to explain. But one counselor has described it like this. He says, it is an ordinary sadness that is stuck or infected. A person caught in spiritual depression feels that God has left them and that they are spiritually and emotionally all alone. And in Psalm 42, we discover how the psalmist responds to this in his own life. He describes it like this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? You'll also notice that this psalm is meant to be sung. In other words, it is a, a means for people to be able to express their emotions and their thoughts in a godly manner. And as a psalm of instruction, it helps us to express our thoughts and our emotions in a godly manner as well. You see, it's, it's appropriate and it's necessary for us to be able to express our emotions in a way that's beneficial to our spiritual well-being. It's also important to be able to deal with what we are going through, but it should be done in a way that's edifying rather than adding to our pain. So this morning, we're going to look at some of the underlying causes of spiritual depression and then also go on to see how the psalmist's response helped him to find hope and strength in the Lord again. So let's read together Psalm 42 and verse 1. He starts by saying, for the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah. Now the word maskil means it's 
that the words that are to follow are words of instruction. In other words, we've got a, a psalm of instruction for us. It instructs us. It helps us uh, to deal with this issue that we've called spiritual depression. Then he begins to write, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Here's this psalmist expressing his deep longing for the presence of God again. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, and from, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And one of the things that stands out in the psalm is that our emotions are massively important and that they need to be expressed. They need to be nurtured. They need attention in the same way we give our attention to our bodies and to our physical well-being. The underlying causes of the psalmist's spiritual depression are highlighted because of the way they affected his emotional and spiritual well-being. And we must not confuse the symptoms of spiritual depression, things like crying, discouragement, loss of appetite, a sense of the loss of the presence of God, with the underlying causes. Otherwise, what happens is that the symptoms are treated rather than what gives rise to this condition. So let's, let's first of all have a look at at some of the underlying causes as the psalmist investigates and begins to look at his own life and begins to talk about some of the underlying causes for his spiritual de depression, for this time of darkness that he, he is going through. And he, he begins by giving attention to what is causing these dark thoughts and emotions. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And the reason that he, he underlines these uh, these these causes, the causes of his spiritual depression is, is the, the way that they're affecting him. And I think that's important for us to realize there are things that, that bring this about. There are, there are underlying causes of, of spiritual depression. 
and the way that we feel both spiritually and emotionally. He feels distant from God. He's not in a good frame of mind. He feels hopeless. He's got no appetite. He's unable to sleep. He's emotionally distressed. And the, the things that contributed to his the, the spiritual depression was, first of all, an inability to worship God together with other worshippers. And that had taken its toll on him. And you know, for, for the believer, real worship is not just about singing. It's about being with other Christians where we express our faith and our feelings to God. It's where we experience the presence of God with one another. It's one of the ways in which we encounter God together. And this was one of the underlying causes of the spiritual depression for the psalmist. His inability to worship God together with other worshippers. Remember what Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says, do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And listen, then he goes on to say, and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. This is corporate worship that's being expressed. Always giving thanks to the God, the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, even when there is persecution, believers are encouraged to meet together and to encourage one another. As the writer to the Hebrews put it, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, one of the, the ways we express our faith is to meet with God and to worship God as we gather together with His people. A desire to worship God and to be together with His people is an important part of our spiritual practice. And I want to emphasize that again, a desire to worship God and be together with these people is an important part of our Christian practice. You know, people have said, well, you should be able to stand on your feet uh, on your own uh, as a Christian. You don't need to be together with God's people. I want to say to God, created and designed us so that we want to be and we desire to be together as we worship Him and express our faith. Not only being alone, but also being together. I want you to notice after the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, we begin to read of some of the dynamics in the early church. And I don't know if you remember in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says that these believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and then to fellowship, koinonia, being together, sharing life together. A little bit further on, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising and enjoying the favor of all the people. But another contributing factor to the, the psalmist's spiritual depression was what his enemies were saying about him. My tears 
have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Later on in the psalm, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And you know, some of the deepest wounds that we experience can come from what people say to us. We are all familiar with that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. And there's never been a greater untruth. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. We know just how powerfully words can harm people. And that's why we need to be awfully careful what we say to one another, even how we say things to one another. Because sometimes I've seen the deep damage and hurt that they cause in people's lives. And the words that can cause some of the deepest discouragement and despondency are those that cast doubt on God's goodness and God's love and God's promises to his people. And you'll notice for the psalmist, this doesn't just happen once, but over and over and over again, his enemies taunt us, taunt him by saying, where is your God? What had happened to the psalmist left him felt feeling as though he was drowning. He was in a bad way. That's why it says deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and, and breakers have swept over me. And friends, I share that with you this morning because one of the most significant aspects of the psalm is we need to realize there are underlying causes to spiritual darkness, to spiritual depression, to these, these spiritual emotions and feelings that we go through. They, they didn't just fall out of the sky. There are reasons behind that. And one of the great things that the psalm encouraged, this psalm encourages us to do, get to the bottom of things. What are the underlying causes? What are the real causes for the psalmist? The inability to worship God together with his people as he would go up to the temple. Those words that were barbs, they were like knives that were spoken into his life. He felt he was being stabbed by his enemies. And those were some of the underlying causes and knowing the underlying causes helped him to be able to deal with them. Now the goal of the psalmist in getting to the bottom of what was causing him so much despair is that he wants to find hope and strength in the Lord. He wants to find hope and strength. He doesn't just want to find hope and strength. He wants to find hope and strength in the Lord. And you see, as we read through the psalm, we discover the psalmist refuses to give in to despondency and doubt and despair. He's experiencing despondency, doubt and despair, but he, but he refuses to give in to that. And this is where I think we need instruction because it's at times like this, we often feel helpless and uncertain of what to do. The instruction we get from God's word is this, that our approach to this matter often makes a significant difference to the outcome. How we approach this matter, how we deal with this, makes a significant difference to its outcome. And, and, and for some, the, the approach here might seem quite surprising. And there are five things that I want to share with you in terms of the way that the psalmist goes about expressing and, and dealing with what is happening in his life. And the first is perhaps more of an obvious one, and that's talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. 
And, and the wonderful thing about faith, it, it has the freedom and the courage to go to God with our fears and struggles and discouragement. The psalmist said, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning and oppressed by the enemy? And it's important that we understand what's happening as the psalmist says these things. It's because the psalmist knows he's God. It's because the psalmist knows that, that God cares and loves him and that he wants to get to the bottom of things, that he, he expresses his questions and he, he comes to God and, and, and he says, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? He's saying, God, that's not the way that it's meant to be. And because of my faith and because of my trust in you, I come to you. I want to bring these to you. These are not expressions of doubt. This is the psalmist unburdening his soul before a loving God. And I believe that's the right response for us as, as, as believers to have. To know that God loves us. Know that God cares for us. Know that God is with us. And therefore we can go to him as our loving, kind, gracious father. And say, God, what's going on over here? Talk to God about it. But we also discover from the psalm. Something quite unusual. And that's the benefit of speaking into our own lives. And this is something relatively new for me. But, you know, as I've been reading through the Psalms, and I've been spending the last couple of months going through the Psalms, as I've been reading through the Psalms, I've discovered over and over again the psalmist speaking to himself. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And while this might sound a little bit strange, we discover the importance of beginning to speak to ourselves rather than giving up and giving in. You see, when the man or woman of God finds themselves beginning to become despondent and distressed like this, they need to know the value of speaking to their own soul. Put your hope in God. And the psalmist says this to himself, put your help in God, for he is the one person that will never fail. He's the one person in life that's absolutely unchangeable and completely trustworthy. Now, when people are down and discouraged, they have a strange tendency to focus on their problem rather than putting their hope in God. And you find this instruction really helpful when something keeps drawing our attention to how hard it is and how difficult it is and how impossible it is. We need to speak into our own lives. I need to say to myself, John, put your hope in God. Trust in God. And we begin to counsel ourselves and speak to ourselves and minister to ourselves. Now, because of his despair, and discouragement, this psalm reminds us of the value of reflecting on those special times we have spent with God. Reminding ourselves of what God has done for us. And this psalm, to me, it, it, it highlights the importance of taking time to reflect and to meditate and to remember. Remember what it's like to experience the presence of the Lord. How God has answered our prayers. Even what God has promised us. 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude. Here's the man. He's remembering. He's reminding himself. He's meditating on these things. Leading the procession to the house of God. With shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. In verse 6. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. The the heights of Mizar. Rather the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. You know, that's why some people, some Christians keep a journal. It gives them the ability to, to reflect on what God has said to them. And to remember the different ways in which God has answered their prayers. You see, the psalmist, and this psalm rather, reminds us of the value of corporate worship. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. How often hasn't it been that we have been deeply moved by the presence of God as we worship together with other believers? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me frequently and often as I, I've been worshiping together and, and we've been together in a service and we've been worshiping and singing and focusing on God. How have experienced the presence of God with many of you that are listening here today? And the psalm also reminds us of the value of alone times with God. Not only the importance of, of corporate worship and the value of corship, cor- corporate worship, but the value of alone times with God. You know, even when we go through these dark times, we've got so much to draw on when we have prioritized worshiping together and being together with God's people as well as those alone times with God. But then the psalm also instructs us to keep going back to the fact that God loves us. Keep going back to the fact that God loves us. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. And you know we can never remind ourselves too often. That God loves us. And we also need to remember we don't completely understand how vast and how great and how deep and how high is his love for us. When Paul was writing to the Roman church or the Christians in Rome, he said, For I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And may I say to you again today, God loves you and God loves you more deeply than you realize. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying for these believers. And he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be full to all the measure of the fullness of God. And you know, we might not always have the, the feeling, but there is so much that brings this reality over home over and over again. God loves me. God loves you. And we need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. But the last thing that the psalm instructs us to do in times of darkness and discouragement is to simply repeat these steps that I've been talking about over and over again. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And I want you to notice that this, it seems like the psalmist begins to repeat himself all over again in verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning and oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you, here we are, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And there are times when these truths need to be reinforced by going back to them over and over again. I was reminded how, how Peter highlighted that when he was writing his second letter. He said, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Peter saw the value, this constant reminder of what God had done in people's lives. You know, reinforcing biblical truths helps us to keep things in perspective and to focus on God's faithfulness, God's love and God's kindness over and over and over again. You know, one of the most helpful aspects of this psalm is that it reminds us in dealing with something like spirit, that dealing with something like spiritual depression is a process. It is a journey that we're on. And I say that because there are many believers today who are looking for a quick fix and an instant solution, a quick prayer, and it's all okay tomorrow. But this psalm reminds us that this is a process. Dealing with this kind of stuff, discouragement, darkness, <coughs> pardon me, the spiritual depression, it's a process. It's a journey. You know, some of the people that I know that have been through periods of spiritual depression are also some of the people that have come to know the Lord most intimately because it's in those dark places where they, they've reached out to God and sought God that they've discovered Him and discovered His help and His ministry to them. This psalm finishes on a note of confidence. There's an anticipation for the psalmist that this kind of response will bring him closer to God, that it will strengthen and encourage him again. Listen to this last verse. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, in his desperation, <clears throat> the psalmist keeps turning to God because he knew. And he believed 
that that would make a difference. People only turn to God when they know and they believe that he will make a difference. Do you, do you remember that uh, in Mark's gospel, that story, I think it's Mark's gospel chapter 5, that story of that woman who had an issue of blood. <clears throat> and the Bible tells us she'd spend all of her money she had on doctors. She'd even suffered at the hands of doctors. None of them were able to help her. And here is a woman who is desperate. She's desperate enough <clears throat> to push through the crowd and to reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment because she believes he will make a difference. Just touching the hem of his garment will make a difference in her life. Do you remember Jairus, the ruler of one of the rulers of the synagogue? He was a Jewish man of high standing. And his daughter is desperately ill. This is a desperate man. But he's got standing in his community. He is respected and recognized in his community. Community, But he is so desperate for help. And that he's willing to forgo all of that. And put that aside. Because he believes that Jesus is able to help his daughter. And he comes as it were. And he bows down before Jesus. And he says, won't you come and heal my daughter because she's sick. And she's dying. And I wanted to share that with you this morning. Because sometimes those places of desperation are the places we know that we can turn to God. That He is with us. That He will reach out to us. He will help us. Maybe you're one of those people today. You, you might be, as you're listening to this message, you may find yourself quite desperate. Tried many things that have not worked. And God is saying to you this morning, trust me, my child, turn to me. I love you. Put your faith and your trust in me. Say to yourself this morning, I'm going to put my faith and trust in the Lord. I'm going to reach out to Jesus today because I know he's died for me. I know he died and rose again. I know that he's come to save me. I know that he's come to set me free. I know that he's come to minister to me. I know that he's come to transform my life. Put your faith in him today your Savior, and your God. So let's close off in prayer. My Father, this morning, I just want to thank you again for your loving kindness. I want to thank you for the grace that you show towards each one of us. Thank you, Lord, that a broken reed you will not trample underfoot. Lord, when we down and out, you don't come and trample us. Lord, you come and reach down to us. You come and lift us up again. You come and strengthen us. You show us your grace. You empower us with your love. You give us hope again, even in those darkest moments. And Holy Spirit, you know today that as people are listening to me, there are those people who, who need your touch in their lives. They need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They need you to strengthen them. They need to experience your love in their lives again. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for a great moving of the Spirit today. And Father, I pray that you will minister to your people, especially those who in faith right now, are reaching out to you and saying, God, help me. And God, minister to me. And God, save me. And God, transform me. Father, I just praise you 
that you have come for those who are needy, for those who are broken, for those who are sick, for those who need your help and who are desperate. Lord, as you did that over and over again as we read the story in the scriptures, you never bypassed people in need. You met them. You spoke to them. You ministered to them. And you always left them better off after you'd finished with them. Lord, may that be so today. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the Lord really bless you this Sunday. If you have any need of pastoral care, any one of you would love to chat to me or be in contact with you, you've got my number. Uh, you can WhatsApp me. Quite happy to spend some time speaking to you, praying with you um, during the course of this week.